0: Thanks for checking out this episode of Business Black Belts. I really appreciate you listening and hope you get some great insights out of today's leader. Let's dive into the show. So hey, everybody, welcome back to Business Black Belts. I am really excited today to have Gail Davis, who's the CEO and founder of GDA Speakers. Gail, thanks so much for coming on our show.
1: Thank you, Miles. I'm really looking forward to talking to you.
0: Uh, Absolutely. So just to start, I know you guys have a pretty cool business in that you book speakers and are very involved in PR and have these big personal brands, but uh, maybe for anyone who doesn't know you or doesn't know you as well as other than seeing your name out there on the internet, uh, how would you describe yourself and your guys' company?
1: We're a woman-owned business. We've been in business for 23 years and we're very client-focused. And our clients are the people that write the checks to hire speakers so we work with a lot of fortune 500 companies we work with a lot of organizations which i call member organizations like ypo the young president's organization eo who have events to educate their members and then we work with a lot of nonprofits who hire speakers almost like um a marquee draw to sell tickets to their events
0: very cool and and how did you get into that i'm always fascinated by the inception of uh Yeah, like how a business starts. Like, How did you get good at booking speakers? It's
1: absolutely my favorite story, so I'm so glad you asked. Um, I had, believe it or not, a 20-year corporate career before I started GDA Speakers, and I did a variety of things for a company called EDS. The last 10 years, I managed their corporate incentive events department. And a lot of companies have incentive events. You hear terms like the President's Club, the Chairman's Club, the Golden Club, the Platinum Club. So I ran something called Inner Circle for EDS, which was a company founded by Ross Mm -hmm. Perot. And I was responsible for everything, the location of where we went, the gifts, the optional activities, but most importantly, the keynote speakers. And I loved booking keynote speakers. I loved getting them prepped for our audience. It's just something that very much energized me. Well, back in 1994, the chairman of the company at the end of an event looked at me and said, who are we having as our keynote speaker next year? And I like that story because I think it really speaks to the fact that at a very high level on very large companies, There's a keen interest in who's going to be brought in to speak to the audience. So um, that prompted me to ask him a question, which is, well, why are you asking? What are you thinking? What's going on in your head? And he made a comment that he would like us to bring in someone that was new and different, someone that everyone would want to hear, but no one had heard, and someone who is global in their appeal. So completely unrelated, on a Friday night, when I went to pick up the pizza and went into the video store, which had VHS videos, I don't even know if you know what those are, and they were lined up on the wall alphabetically, I started in the A's, and there was a movie called Alive, and it's the story of the 1972 plane crash in the Andes Mountains. I'd always wanted to see it. I hadn't seen it, and I took it home. Well, at that time, I was married, and my former husband said, that's who you should get. And I'm like, who, Ethan Hawke? And he's like, no, the real guy. He's like, think about it. I mean, I'd love to hear what this was really like. And, you know, have you ever heard of him on the circuit? And I'm like, no. And he's like, they're from Uruguay. So fast forward, it's a crazy story with a lot of twists and turns. And I think it's really important for me to point out that it was 1994. And for many of your listeners, they're never going to believe it. But in 1994, there was no Mm -hmm. Google. So to find somebody wasn't as easy as it is today. So I literally went to all these speakers bureaus and no one knew him or they couldn't find him or they thought it was a bad idea. So I had to do it myself and I, it's a fun, fun story. I don't want to take up all the time today, but I tracked him down. He said, no, I convinced him he did it. And literally it was a defining moment in my life. It was off the charts and the chairman jokingly put his arm around me and said, you know what kid you should retire. Well, at the time, I believe I was um, maybe 40, and I'm like, retire? I mean, what are you talking about? And he said, you'll never outdo this, but it planted an idea, and that person is named Nando Parado, and he and I became very good friends, and I finally made the decision to quit my job and start my own company and that was 23 years ago and I've booked him over 300 times. So it's really, I guess in a nutshell, without the story, I would say I found something that I was so passionate about that even though it didn't make sense, I wanted to do it. And that's how I became an entrepreneur.
0: And it's such a fairy tale ending and it feels like so many businesses start that way. Have you solve your own problem? The market is not able yeah. to solve that problem and you do it. Now I'm curious, you've probably booked some pretty incredible people after doing this for a couple of decades. So are there any others that are, you'd want to share like that are most notable?
1: Oh yeah. Um, well, we just, uh, uh, he's top of mind because we just closed a deal with him, but we love working with Magic Johnson. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is just such a presence on stage. He's so generous with his time and he gets down in the audience and he connects with the audience and it does not feel prepared. It's very professional, but he's on the cuff. You know, like I remember one instance where we had him booked and there was someone in the audience just really hoping to get to him by wearing a Celtic shirt. And sure enough, he zeroed in on that and he went down and down on the floor right by the guy, lots of selfies and really engaged. And then a little bit later, he engaged with this other guy who happened to be from Germany. He was an attendee from Germany who had grown up he had played basketball. So when he stood up, Magic immediately got in. And he goes, whoa, dude, do you play basketball? And it turns out, I mean, the guy was so emotionally moved because he had grown up and Magic was his idol. So it's moments like that that I absolutely love and speakers who are flexible enough to go with the opportunity that really speak to me. So Magic is a celebrity name that I would mention. There's a speaker named Ron White. And no, it's not get her done, Ron White, it's a different Ron White, but he's a memory expert. And I always have a saying in my office, every meeting needs Ron White, they just don't know it. And what I mean by that is Ron can provide so much interaction and excitement with the group. He can memorize 200 people's names and call them without any prompt. He can do a 30 digit number frontwards and backwards. And he teaches people listening skill, uh, memory skills. I'm sorry, not listening, memory. Um, I'll throw in one more, Liz Murray. Liz has my heart. She has the most unbelievable story. There was a lifetime movie called Homeless to Harvard, and then she wrote her own New York Times bestselling book, Breaking Dawn. And Liz, Liz's story about growing up in the projects and being homeless and eventually getting a full ride to Harvard, yes, and eventually getting her doctorate from Columbia, but she just understands humanity. And when she speaks about her story of overcoming adversities, that's one angle. But what she's able to bring forward that we can all take away and be better humans is very inspiring to me.
0: It sounds like a fun part of your job is you just meet so many of these incredible people. uh, I get to see
1: people talk to me about retiring, and I'm like, why would anybody stop doing this? This is fun, you know. Now, what's the
0: hardest part of running a speaker bureau? Is it is it finding the clients? Is it finding the speakers? Is it like what? What would you say is the part that's less it's the glamorous? Question
1: yeah. that's evolved over the years, mm-hmm. right? So obviously, when I was starting, I had one guy from Uruguay that didn't want to speak more than six times. So in the early days, I was building. Both my roster of speakers, if you will, or my database of speakers, and then I was also building clients. Um, on the client side, we one of our core values is to deliver the ultimate client experience. And so, one of I, I would say the hardest part there is when we can't get the client the answer that they want. And it's taken me a while in recent years to understand that's okay we still bring value there. So sometimes the client will like, but I want them to say yes to this, but they're not going to say yes to it. So really level setting expectations. And really some of these more challenging situations occur when people spend more money. And it's funny, you know, we'll start with a client and maybe their budget's 25,000 and oh, it just goes so smooth. And over the years they work up to 40 and it's still going smooth. And then one year they're like, we can bring in a celebrity. You know, we've got a big budget this year. And all of a sudden, it's the most challenging thing they've ever done because those situations are more complex. And so for me, the hardest part is disappointing a client, but then I have to remind myself it's our job to educate the client so that they're not disappointed. Mm-hmm. And then on the speaker side, I've been blessed over the two decades. We have a great reputation and we have a lot of speakers and now it's it's more about, honing the list because we can't be all things to all people meaning we can't be all things to all speakers so we've taken all the speakers over the years and we've sort of triaged them and we try to put our focus on our high priority speakers who are the speakers that we have a long-standing history with we have a booking relationship with we've got positive feedback and if we could be successful only working with those honestly that's what i would do But then it's about trying to understand who the radar speakers are, who are the new people that are up and coming that we might be losing business to that we need to be focused on. Mm -hmm. And then sadly, it's just giving ourselves permission to not pay a lot of attention to the remainder because we cannot be 100% on top of 5,000 speakers. It's just impossible. We have to focus in on a certain area.
0: Now, do you so when you book a speaker are they uh, in some cases they would be exclusively represented by you and in other cases like a Magic Johnson they might be represented by multiple people or how does that work?
1: A hundred percent, you're you're right on. And quite frankly, when I started my company twenty three years ago, the roster model or the exclusive model was going very well for a number of people. So I thought to myself, that's not the direction I'm going to go. At EDS, we were a software services company, and one of our marketing ploys was, we're vendor independent. So that meant, hey, we don't care if you have HP computers, Dell computers, Macs, IBM, we're gonna bring you the best software solution. So I borrowed that idea and did my own thing with GDA, which is to say, let's find the clients. Let's develop a real partnership with the client and we're vendor independent, i.e. speaker independent, we don't care if we go direct or if we co-broker. So from that standpoint, it's a lot like real estate, you know, and my goal is that I'm your agent. Even if you're driving down the street and I'm not with you and it's Sunday afternoon and you see somebody else's sign in the yard, I want you to call me up and say, oh my gosh, y'all, I was driving down Euclid and I saw this amazing house, can we go see it? that's what I want to be. So that's, that's how GDA operates.
0: Yeah. And, and it's pretty amazing uh, how much that goes such a long way is that a lot of people think about, uh, I came from EMC, which is similar to EDS, a large tech company. Yes,
1: I know that yeah. company very well. Yeah, and
0: it's interesting because everyone thinks that to succeed in business, you have to have some humongous advantage technically like EDS or EMC had. What you forget is it's actually in either those cases or in the case of our business, it really is client service because the,
1: I'll have to talk to you when we finish one of the speakers that we do represent or manage. uh, Her brother was big in the sales team there. So we'll have to talk. We'll have to chat about that. But I think I didn't close the loop on one thing on managing people exclusively. We really that's not our thing. We manage Nando exclusively, obviously, and we have a handful of speakers that we manage. Um, but really what we try to do is develop the long-term client relationship. Now, what do you, I, I
0: guess I'm curious too, what are you still trying to accomplish? Like you said, why would you retire? You're having so much success. Like I think anyone who hears this, who's in my generation, I'm 29. So was fears out of college, they'd think I would love to be Gail. Like I know there's. So many, you know, females (laughs) trying to start businesses that would look up to you. So, what are you still trying to accomplish after all these years? Like, as it shifts from maybe a monetary goal to a legacy goal, where's your head at on that?
1: You know, that is exactly where my head is. Is the legacy, and um, I've had to, not I've had to. I have shifted my thinking over the years. Um, Initially, I was super, super conservative with paying people and hiring people. So I tended to hire a lot of recent college grads and I would teach them about business and I would train them. Well, you know, you younger people don't necessarily start a job and stay with it forever. So then I was like their best first job and then they were going to everybody else. And that used to really bother me. And I I even probably had a moment of thinking, is it me? Until I really understood, no, that's just life, Gail. And so I made a big shift that like, I'm like this mentor. It's not that I wouldn't hire guys, I I, do, I would, but I've had the opportunity to be what I would say is really a significant mentor in a lot of young women's lives. And so I feel really good about that, especially when they come back to me 10 years later, 12 years later and say, Gail, I still remember the day you, and they share the story. So now what I'm trying to do is um, really focus with my existing team and provide opportunities so they want to stay. I'm letting go of so many things that I held closely previously and just opening it up and showing them. And this morning in a sales meeting, you know, I did kind of business one-on-one, income, expenses, you know, cost of goods, you know, gross profit margin, expenses, and really instead of coming to the sales team and saying, hey, you're behind, you need to do more, showing them and helping them understand that without them delivering or performing on their sales goals, like the company can't move forward with the other plans that we want to do. And so that's really what what's energizing me right now is developing and growing new leaders. So for many years, everybody reported to me and, you know, that really probably wasn't the best idea, to be totally honest with you. And now I'm growing, you know, an operations manager and growing a sales director, and that's really rewarding. So I would say that's where my focus is mm. now. And then I kind of want to write a book about all my experiences, but I got to really get some white space on the calendar to pull yeah. that off.
0: Well, well, I think it would be a really cool story. Um, and and you're absolutely right. Even for me, five years into being an entrepreneur, I've noticed that how you treat people is the thing you're going to be most proud of but no one's you're not going to get as many thank yous as lives you actually touch and that's where yeah. it's so easy to look at the metrics of a business so we're at 50 people we're at 75 people like we're growing whereas it's hard to track like changing someone's life or providing yeah. great we're growing them or like you said but that's really where all the legacy is and you
1: know yeah. you're right you don't get that until later like one of my very first employees, like she was an employee in the first five years, you know, within the past two years, she reached out to me. I mean, she's married. She has girls. And they, you know, they decided to uh, become members of a particular church. She needed a godmother. And she called me. I'm like, wow, you know, she hasn't worked for me for 15 years, you know. So so I'm really starting to appreciate the impact. And Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's a
0: cool and, and now if anyone wanted to reach out to you, either to be booked by GDA if they happen to have a gift for speaking, to work for you, to be your client for advice, like is LinkedIn an okay way? How do you field those requests, you know, publicly?
1: Uh, LinkedIn is good. It's sometimes overwhelming to stay on top of. Uh, our website, GDA Speakers, GDA as in Gil, Davis and Associates. So GDA Speakers Anything that comes in through info, we've kind of got a good system that if it's a client, it goes over there. If it's someone who wants to be a speaker, it goes there. Um, and if it's a personal email to me, info at GDA speakers, it'll eventually get to me. So, and then of course, on all the social platforms, we try to be really good about, you know, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Twitter. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and it sounds like you're definitely open to even someone who just wanted a mentorship conversation, uh, as long as they do their homework a little bit. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah i it's funny i'll always send people back especially the people that want to be speakers i'm like okay i need you to go read this book do this and that's sort of you know that's are they gonna are they gonna go order the book are they gonna read it you know are they gonna follow up so and we have i think a pretty good video that we sometimes send people that want to be speakers of me kind of explaining how that goes yeah well and it's a hard thing to get into to be totally honest with you because there's so many great speakers um but I, I wouldn't want to ever discourage anyone. Just know that there's a lot of competition out there.
0: Just like anything, yeah. If it was easy, yeah. if it was easy and the rewards are high, then everybody would do it. Yeah. There's lots of easy That's things right. that lots of people don't do, but yeah. Well, Gail, right. yeah. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Yeah, we're excited to publish and definitely look forward to continuing to follow your success and hopefully have you back on when you're uh, doing your own book in a couple of years. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Business Black Belt. Should you want to see more content on both the show, marketing, and business in general, feel free to check out my LinkedIn. Thanks.